uh, since I've been here, uh, just with holiday breaks and things like that and having some other um, ABFs come and join us. Um, I, uh, I hope that that's been beneficial for you, that maybe you've had a chance to connect with some of those people or had some good conversations uh, over those couple of weeks. Um, again, I just want to remind you, if you have any feedback or anything like that, feel free to send it or um, talk to me about it. Um, I'd love to chat with you if you have uh, questions or concerns or comments or whatever, just let me know. Um, but it's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, Happy New Year, I guess. It's the first Sunday that we're back together uh, since the New Year. We had um, last uh, Sunday off because of holidays. All the other ABFs were, were shut down too, so we uh, took it off. But um, I just want to kind of talk a little bit uh, as we start. Uh, the New Year is kind of a time that everybody does resolutions or, um, or whatever uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, how many of you guys have set resolutions uh, this year? see a couple of hands. Um, I, I'm curious about that little, that little half one, Nate, but if you want to share, just share one of, your, one of your resolutions that maybe you made this year. Um, is anybody comfortable? Give me the flash drive. The flash drive? Yes, please. Which flash drive? The one that you got. My slides? Oh, Courtney. This uh, interruption is brought to you by me not probably doing what I need to do, so... Um, we're going to get the flash drive, and then we'll, we'll restart. <laughs> uh, it's in the little pocket in the very front. My wife is currently rummaging through my backpack. It's cool. No? I might have to go back there and do it. It's in the, the little very front on the bottom. It's small. It's a flash drive. I don't know how else to describe it. Sorry? Nope, that's not the one. It's still in my pocket. Look at that. Thank you. Thanks, Courtney. Appreciate it. <coughs> I should have checked my pockets first, shouldn't I? Okay, well, one of my resolutions is to remember to do things properly, so that's good. All right, <coughs> back to resolutions. Anybody want to share theirs? Anyone? No? Come on. Somebody be, bra be brave. Yes. Okay, all right, nice. Um, not doing as much so social media more broadly, not, not trying to use uh, or trying to use your time more effectively. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's one of the top ones. I looked at the top 10, um, and there were a lot that had to do with time management, um, not being on your phone as much, screen time, stuff like that. Yes. Uh, reading, the reading the Bible daily. That's a good one, yeah. Um, I think a lot of a lot of people start like a, a read through the Bible in a year program um, in January. That's a that's a, a typical one people do. Um, more broadly, I think people want to read more. Um, uh, they start that during January, things like that. Yeah, that's good. So actually, that um, brings up a good point. I was having a conversation with somebody uh, this, I guess it was two weeks ago maybe, um, and they, uh, we were sitting around the table and they said, you know, how many of you or has anybody set any New Year's resolutions? And s another person at the table said, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions because I think that um, people set too grand of expectations for themselves and then they end up failing because they set their goals way too high. So they said that they believe in New Year's intentions. I like it. 
I don't think it's a terrible idea. Um, is, that, is that what you do? Do you do? You think it's weak. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's go. Goals. Yeah, that's great. Do you have three already in mind? Nice. Sweet. Cool. That's a good one. Um, goals are good. Intentions are good. I don't really care exactly what you do. Um, I know um, there's a lot of people that, um, that take this time to try and set better life choices, things like that. Whatever it is that you're doing, I think that the new year kind of brings change into our lives. We're turning from one year into the next. And so I think uh, if you guys haven't started doing this now, I, I just r- realized that I, I just inherently do this. Oh, there, a change is happening. I'm not, I didn't set resolutions or intentions or anything um, because I believe in just doing whatever I need to be doing, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I just didn't, I chose not to set them this year, but I did think about my last year and what are the things that I wanted to work on that maybe I didn't do as well on and how can I change how can I um, begin living my life differently to better achieve the goals that I have in my life? Just because I didn't set resolutions doesn't mean I don't have goals. But um, the point is that we, uh, we try not to stay the same. We want to be growing. We want to be changing as people. And especially as Christians, um, we want to be growing specifically in Christ-likeness. We always want to be growing and moving forward and, and learning new things. And as we learn about ourselves and our sinful habits and what we do, we try to change those. We try to adjust our lives to better make use of our time, to uh, avoid uh, falling into sinful habits or going to the same places that we always go to that really haven't benefited us. Um, And so today, I'm going to, I'm not starting a series yet, though I will be doing a series in the spring over time. Um, I just want to take some time to think about our lives. Um, So open your Bibles up to Luke 16 if you haven't already, uh, because I want to just spend our few minutes together talking about faithfulness. Um, Because, uh, again, whether you're setting resolutions or not, as Christians, we're called to be faithful. Um, In Romans 6, Paul calls us slaves or servants of righteousness because of God, because of the gospel. Um, We're slaves to righteousness. Uh, And then in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whatever... Uh, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Our lives should be different from unbelieving friends, from coworkers, from classmates. Everything we do should be done as though it's in direct service of God. And so in a word, I think faithfulness should characterize our lives. Um, Christians should be faithful people. So I want to take our few moments together to consider whether we're living lives currently characterized by faithfulness. Um, and whether our, our past year or two years or three years or p- perhaps your whole life as a believer has been characterized by faithfulness. Um, so we're going to use Luke 16 to, to learn three truths about faithfulness, as you can see here. But follow along with me as I, I read our passage beginning in verse 10. Luke 16, 10 through 13. It says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the, ri- the true riches? 
And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So if you look back, just flip over or swipe over to chapter 15. Uh, that's kind of where he begins this conversation. We're jumping into the middle here, but verse, or chapter 15 um, describes Jesus as being followed or, or uh, the, the sinners and the tax collectors were gathering themselves around Jesus. The religious leaders didn't like that because they, they thought that it was unfit that a rabbi would, would associate himself with those kind of people. And so uh, that sparked a conversation. And Jesus started telling parables. He told three parables in chapter 15 about uh, the power of the gospel. These are all familiar. If you look down at the, uh, uh, the, the section headings, the, the, these are um, perhaps the most um, well-known is the parable of the prodigal son. It's that what was lost can be found. And so things like, um, or I guess people like the sinners and the tax collectors can be redeemed. That was, that was the theme. And so chapter 15, he's describing God's love for sinners through the gospel. And then in chapter 16, he shifts his focus. He turns directly to the disciples away from talking to the crowd at large and specifically the religious leaders who disagreed with him. And he, in chapter 16, he describes how Christians, how the disciples should live in a fallen world. Um, and so at the beginning of chapter 16, we see him tell the parable of the dishonest manager. Um, it's describing a manager who deals shrewdly, though dishonestly, with his master's wealth. He, um, he goes to the people that owe his master money and dishonestly, without his master's blessing, uh, writes the books and kind of cooks the books a little bit. Um, and at the end of the parable, it's kind of troubling, and it's hard to figure out what's going on here. But at the end of the parable, it says that the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Now, don't misunderstand that to mean that he was, we should be uh, like this person. This is not someone that we should emulate or seek to live our lives like that um, by being dishonest with, the, with someone else's things. But um, it, does, it does recognize that the manager was dishonest. Um, and... Really what the, the point of the parable is, um, is that we're, uh, we're to use this example of how unbelievers use their, uh, their influence, their money. They use it shrewdly um, to do things for their own purposes. Believers should live with that same shrewd mindset of turning all of the things that we have, all of our um, dishonest wealth, it calls it, or unrighteous wealth, it calls it in, in verse 9. We should use all of those worldly things that we have for kingdom purposes. We should be shrewd. We should always be thinking of how we can use what we have for Christ's purposes, for Christ's benefit. So now we reach our, our passage today. Um, and this kind of functions as the summary or proverbial generalization of this parable. Um, verse 10 could potentially be a generic um, secular uh, worldly proverb that Jesus uses. We don't know for sure um, this is a truth that's found everywhere, but he says in verse 10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So uh, this brings us to our first truth that we're going to learn about faithfulness, which is faithfulness is revealed in the mundane. Faithfulness is revealed in small things. And so this statement is, um, is composed of two 
parallel lines with opposing ideas, but they communicate the same truth. One who is faithful over something small could be faithful over something great because the small thing doesn't take as much energy, doesn't take as much focus, but if you're able to be um, faithful with that, you can then translate that to a larger thing. So the contrasted ideas here are faithful and dishonest in the ESV, but it really has to do with trustworthiness. Someone who is trustworthy or not trustworthy. Someone who is um, able to, uh, to use uh, a small task um, well can also look at a greater task and do that well. Um, it's a generic principle, but that doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions. Perhaps you're thinking of someone in your head right now, someone you work with, um, one of your friends who routinely doesn't do things well, but then they get rewarded with, with po um, positive um, gains in the, in the work world. They're, they're um, promoted above other people. Um, you can think of other people where this um, may be an exception, but generally it's going to be true. Someone who's faithful with a small thing will be able to be faithful over larger, weightier responsibilities. Now, as, as I kind of think about you guys, or as you think about your own lives, you're starting to think about some pretty significant decisions, pretty major steps in your life. Um, what are you going to do with your career? Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? How are you going to support yourself? These are all significant. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not an, um, it's not a small decision that you're going to be making. And so as you think about that, Consider the small things in your life. How are you preparing yourself to make these decisions? How are you growing yourself in being able to make these decisions? It's not that you're going to just get to that point in life and be ready, and you'll know. You're never going to be ready. In general, life always gives you more than you're prepared for. In general, you're always going to be getting busier. Life doesn't slow down. It only moves faster, especially once you get married, start having children, you work in a job. It goes so much faster. So what are you doing now to begin preparing yourself for when you're given a weighty responsibility, when you're given a large task at work? Have you been faithful in the small things so that when you're given a larger task, you know exactly what to do? You're going to be able to attack that because you've been preparing yourself for it. Are you prepared? Are these responsibilities that you, uh, that you have now, are you taking care to be faithful to them? Are your, is your job where you're just stocking shelves or pulling weeds outside or um, possibly working at night when nobody else is around, are you faithful in those jobs? Are you faithful when no one else is looking? Do you take care of your room in your parents' house or your apartment that you live in, the car that you have that might be a little junkier than you would like? That was me. I had a junky 1995 Ford Taurus. I didn't love it. It was missing part of the front bumper. Did I take care of it? No. <laughs> I, took, I drove it as fast as it would go, which was like 90, because that's all the faster it went. I don't do that with my cars now, because I have to pay for them. I have, to, I have to care for those vehicles, and so if I, if I were to drive it faster than I should be, I probably would end up having to fix something, because it also is an older car. So the things that aren't yours, that you're responsible for now, do you take care of those things? They may not seem as important as potentially deciding who your future spouse will be or the job that the next job that you're looking for your engineering job your your teaching job whatever it's going to be this job might not seem as important but what you're doing is 
And that's being faithful. And it starts in small things. It starts in small moments when nobody else is around. Integrity happens when no one else is looking. That's what integrity is. Let's look at a second truth now about faithfulness, which is that faithfulness determines your future responsibilities. These next two verses in Luke, they kind of act as the application of the general truth. If verse 10 is the, the proverbial truth that we're looking at, verses 11 and 12 are the application. And it says, or they say, if then you have not been faithful in, in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? This application is given in two stages using rhetorical questions, but the answer is the same to both. In verse 11, he contrasts the ideas of unrighteous wealth and true riches. And I don't want you to misunderstand that money is the root of uh, an evil thing or that, this, that Jesus is saying that all money is evil. No, the point here is that um, it's worldly wealth. It could also be understood as something that's earthly um, it's not heavenly, right? We see that in the true riches. Those are heavenly riches um, or earthly riches is kind of how we can look at it. So the contrast is between the heavenly and the earthly. Not that money is inherently evil, but that it's an earthly commodity that we should be using not only for our pleasure or our sustenance, but we should be using thinking ahead to the future, our, our heavenly home that we're going to be living in. And to make this point further, Jesus goes on in verse 12 to connect the idea of worldly wealth um, to that, and that which is not our own to the true riches, which will be our own. Um, and everything that we have in this world, we know this. Uh, it says in Job 1.21, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Everything that we have physically, is, it comes from God. It's not ours. It's on loan. If you remember a couple of months ago, uh, Mark Sparks was up here teaching. He talked about... Uh, the parable of the talents, um, and we are the believer. We're the believers here. Are in view of um, people who are given something by God, the Master. So the Master has given us believers um, something that we're to be stewarding, something that we're to take care of, um, and so we need to prove ourselves faithful and trustworthy in order to receive more, in order to receive greater rewards or greater riches in heaven. We need to prove ourselves worthy and faithful here today on the earth. This is a small example. Um, I want you to think about when you're a kid, or maybe even now, um, things that you got secondhand. Uh, did anybody get hand-me-downs? I'm the youngest of five, so I got a lot of hand-me-downs. Um, I mean, maybe it's not a sibling, maybe it was a cousin, or you like to shop, shop at secondhand stores or whatever. Those things that you receive as a, as a hand-me-down, they weren't yours, you didn't buy them, um, so you're really not that upset when they break when they tear or whatever. When your clothes go out, you just go, you know, buy another pair of, or another ugly sweater or whatever when that sweater rips because you paid $6 at Goodwill. You don't really care as much when it's not something that you've worked for, something that you've put your own, you know, money into your own investment. But when it's something that you've paid for, something that you've worked hard for, you've worked several summers, several semesters, um, to buy yourself a car. You're going to take care of it. You're not going to beat it up. You're not going to let your friends, you know, eat in it. Maybe that's one of your rules. You don't eat in my car. I paid for this car. I'm going to take care of this car. Your apartment, your furniture, your technology, your game consoles, whatever, 
you care for those things. You don't throw your controller across the room because you know you're going to have to pay 70, 80 bucks for another controller because you had two seconds of rage. Then you're mad at yourself because you broke your controller. (laughs) When it's your stuff, you take responsibility for it. You take care of it. In the same way, we need to think of everything that we have and everything that we do in this life as ours. It's our responsibility. Whether it's working for somebody else, doing something for them, cleaning their house, cleaning their office, whatever it is, it's your responsibility. You need to begin being faithful now because you want to be able to be worthy of receiving something that's your own, which is of inestimable worth because we don't, we don't get to take anything here. We don't get to take that with us. But we do get to store up heavenly riches for the future. Consider what you're doing now and begin working in faithfulness towards something that you're going to receive later. God's not going to continue to use us in his service, not going to continue to to give us responsibilities if we can't show ourselves faithful in the small things that we're doing now. You guys are in this transition period where you have responsibility. You are adults. When you were in high school, you didn't really have, you didn't, people didn't maybe expect that much from you because you were, you know, just a kid, whatever. I think that's wrong, personally. I think we should give a lot of responsibility to young people earlier because then they'll show themselves more responsible over time. This is, this is how it works. But now, you've got your own jobs. You're perhaps you're paying for your own car, your phone, your apartment. You're living in, on your own, doing your own things. This is when this transition begins to happen. And now you're thinking, well, I want to be married. What do I need to do to be married? What things do I need to be prepared for? Can I budget money? These are really simple things that you can start doing now to prepare for the future. But we have to be faithful. God's not going to continue to use us if we can't show ourselves faithful now. And ultimately, I think it, it deals with service. It deals with who we want to serve. Do I want to serve my own desires, my own needs, or do I want to serve God's needs, serve the kingdom? And that's going to lead us into our, our final truth here. Um, faithfulness identifies your present loyalty. Where does your affection lie? I think that verse 13 um, identifies this for us. It says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This verse is kind of the conclusion of our general parable or our, our general proverb here. This is the conclusion. Some people have taken this as some sort of contemporary comment on slavery. That, well, since slaves can't be owned by two masters, then Christian, you shouldn't also have two masters. It's not necessarily the case. Um, Slaves could be owned by two masters at the same time. It's like working two jobs, essentially. Um, They needed more money, so they would indenture themselves to another person. It was possible to be owned by two people at the same time. Um, It was also possible to be freed by one person. So technically, you would have been a free slave. Um, or, oh man, that was, I just had Dobby float into my head. <laughs> You're not a free elf if you still have another master. Because you, you ultimately end up, <laughs> that was really, man, should have blocked that one. <sighs> I got to get myself back under, the con- under control. Stop thinking about Dobby. 
essentially, you can have two masters. You could be freed from the one or, um, and still be working for another, uh, another master. So that's not essentially, it wasn't a comment on that. And I think that translates even better to us. We can have multiple masters. It's not saying that you can never use money, that you should never have money. Any money that you earn should be all given away and that you shouldn't take care of your family and provide for them or that you shouldn't hold a job outside of the church or whatever. No, obviously that's not true. The point is that you can't devote yourself to more than two masters. And that was the case. They saw that in their culture. We have seen that. There's documentation that a slave would essentially love one of his masters, be devoted to that master more than the other. You can't give wholehearted devotion to more than one thing. You can't give it to two things. And that's the point here. As believers, you're going to have other things vying for your attention, multiple masters that are trying to pull you away. I don't want you guys to misunderstand and think that it's only money because that's what's referenced here. That doesn't mean that that's the only thing vying for our attention. Relationships can do that. Jobs can do that. School can do that. Items can do that. You can do that. You can't serve God and your work equally. It doesn't work that way. You have to choose who you're going to serve. But this, this dichotomy that's created between love and hate doesn't mean that you have to despise in the, the sense that we understand it, that you hate it and you never want anything to do with it. It just means a degree of preference. We can see this just a couple chapters before when Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship in Luke 14. He talks about hating mother and father and sister and brother, but loving God. He's not saying that you literally have to hate those things. He's saying that you have to choose to prefer God over those relationships. You have to choose to prefer God over money, over jobs, over school. God has to be the only thing, the only person that you serve fully, that you give all of your love and devotion to. That doesn't mean that you can't pursue school. That doesn't mean that you can't pursue a good job. It doesn't even mean that you can't pursue success. Even worldly success can be used well. I know of lots of people that have tons of money, but they give tons of money away because God has given them such a, a stewardship over a lot of wealth doesn't mean that they ultimately serve that wealth, that they love that wealth. No, they give it away. They use their, their wealth and their success to prop other people up, to serve missionaries by giving to them. It doesn't mean you can't have those things. It doesn't mean you can't have a nice car or a nice house. It just means that those can't be the things that you serve, that you love, that you devote yourself wholly to. But it does mean that you can do those if you're not careful. If you do have wealth, you have to be careful. There's lots of warnings throughout Scripture, this being one of them, that wealth really can cause a lot of problems for people. It's difficult for someone who's wealthy because they don't have to trust in God. They don't have to rely on God. So there are cautions, but I think we should translate those cautions to everything in life. Just because you love your spouse doesn't mean that you can't love God, but you can love your spouse more than God. You can love your parents, your, your schoolwork, your job more than God. And you need to be careful. This is a warning to take care that you don't try to serve two masters. You can only serve one. You need to be faithful and devoted to God alone. 
what we're faithful to shows what we serve. We essentially, um, we show that by our time, how we spend our money, um, what we do with ourselves when we have nothing to do. What you serve can be identified um, by what you're faithful to. And so we need to be careful and we need to be aware uh, that we should be only faithful to God because we can't be faithful to our hobbies, to our family, to our friends in the same way that we can be faithful to God at the same time. So be cautious, be careful. So as we conclude, I, I just want to take a few minutes to consider how we can be more faithful, right? Because there is a warning there, but ultimately I think that um, we all can think of something that we need to be more faithful in, one task or one responsibility, one, uh, one sphere of our life where we do need to be more faithful. Um, and so as you consider the last year and the coming year, um, I want you to think about these things in regard to faithfulness. First, um, regularly confess your sin and pray for help. It seems obvious, but I, you, I just can't get around that. I can't get around the need to confess our sin. Um, this, when you, when you prefer something above God, is sinful. When you're not faithful, that is sinful. But if you've recognized that, if you're thinking of something in your head right now, confess it and begin asking for God's help. Just because you want to work on your time and you ask for God's help to, uh, to be more organized doesn't mean that God's going to give it to you immediately overnight. It's going to take time. So you're going to have to confess regularly where you failed and then ask for help. Begin making steps of change. Begin making um, decisions that are going to help you to change in your life where you need to change. Ask for help from God. He is faithful. Just because we're not doesn't mean that he's not. When we perceive God to be um, not faithful to his promise to us, it's probably our own selves. We're probably being, not being faithful to God. He is always faithful. So we need to make sure that we're asking for his help and that we're pursuing that in our lives today as well. Yeah, we believe that God can change us from the inside out, but we also have to show with our actions that we want to change. We need to do that. We need to make the changes. Start making changes. Start doing it. Second, just on a really practical note, um, identify your spheres of responsibility. I think this is one of the best ways um, that you can start to recognize where you need to be faithful. Maybe you're thinking, I have no idea. I don't know what I really should be responsible for. What are the things that I need to be um, taking care of and being faithful to? Think about all of the things that you have to do in a given week or month or whatever. Those are your spheres of responsibility. School, work, family, home. Uh, I don't know. Think through that. I can't answer that for you. Um, I can help you think through it if you want to talk about it. But ultimately, you have to identify these things where you need to be faithful and then list out your responsibilities underneath of each of your spheres. That's like your, your top priority things. List out all the, the bullet, um, you know, bullet points of what you need to do. And that's, that's what you need to be faithful to right there. You've got it on a sheet of paper. You can list out what you need to be faithful to and begin making decisions that will help you be faithful to it. It's just really practical. That's something, I tell you guys this, I'm preaching this message today because I needed it. 
this is what I looked back on my year and I said, I, said, I need to be more faithful. So this is my New Year's intention, okay? <laughs> I know Liz doesn't like it. I have goals, okay? We can talk about it if you want to. But I have, I have, I, I am telling you this because I need it. And I guess I just assumed that you guys probably do too. Because we all have responsibilities that we could be doing better. We all have things that we need to be doing better. And then finally, treat everything as though it's the most important, even small stuff. Treat it as though God is standing over your shoulder and he's watching you pick weeds. And you didn't, you didn't get that one and you're like, whatever, it's in the back corner, it doesn't matter. But if your boss is standing over you, you're going to do everything perfectly. You're going you're gonna to move everything to exactly where it needs to be and you'll move faster. And Do that as if God is watching you because he is. We forget that, right? Because when we're alone, it just feels like we're the only one in the room. But God is always with us. He's always watching us. So we need to work as though he's the one we're working for. We're called to do that in scripture. We need to be faithful in the small things. Faithful in the mundane. Because then we'll be able to be more faithful in larger things. We want to show ourselves to be faithful in the smallest that's not ours, so that we can be faithful to things that are given to us when they are our responsibility. We're prepared. We know how to do it so that God can entrust us with heavier, weightier kingdom service. What better purpose can we live our lives for? What better goal can we have than to serve God with our lives this year? Whether your job or school or um, your house, your room in your parents' house, whatever it is, make sure that you begin thinking about how you can be more faithful, how you can better steward what God has given you today so you can prepare yourself for what he might give you in this year or in five years or when you have a family. Because no matter what our job is, it doesn't matter if you're doing manual labor, um, you are building buildings or teaching students or preaching, being a missionary. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You can serve God faithfully where you are. And that's what we're called to do. Let's pray and then we'll break up and discuss. God, I thank you that you use your word to open our hearts to understand where we need to confess our sin, where we need to change our lives. Um, Lord, I'm grateful that you've done that for me on a number of occasions. I pray, Father, that today um, those who are hearing this will open their hearts to you, that you would show them where they need to be more faithful. Help us all to encourage one another on in faithfulness to do our jobs well, to do our studies well, to engage in our relationships well, and to manage what you've given us faithfully. Father, we thank you so much that you've given us the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to us and to help us make these changes. Lord, help us to begin, to start, to go on. Lord, we need to be faithful in our, our bodies as well as in our spirits. So Lord, I pray that you would help us now.
pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.